Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hello everyone, my name is Haseeb Khan and I am the host at Better Tech. So today with me is Hira Saeed. So let's get started with her. And Hira, first of all, thank you very much for uh, coming to Better Tech and discussing your experiences with us. Thank you so much, um, Hasi. Thank you so much for having me here today. All right. So, uh, I mean, Hira, we can start this conversation by having a quick intro or, a, or some of your experiences, like what have you been up to? And your quick introduction will actually help the audience uh, to understand the topic as well as your experiences. So why don't you go ahead and tell us more about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Asif. So assalamualaikum, everyone, and hello and hi. Um, my name is Hira Saeed, and I started my career back in um, 2013 with my focus on digital marketing. I'm from Karachi, Pakistan. Um, since then, I've been working in the tech ecosystem slash entrepreneurship ecosystem in Pakistan, worked in the corporate sector for a couple of years, and then I studied journalism later, worked as a journalist for two years. Um, and then that's when basically I got exposed to entrepreneurship and I left my full-time job and I started my own copywriting agency, um, ran that agency for two years. And fast forward to 2018, I moved to the US. Um, that's when basically I worked with uh, women entrepreneurs from all over the world. Um, and conceived the idea of running my own accelerator when, whenever I moved back to Pakistan. So I came back to Pakistan in year 2019 and I started the organization that I run right now. It's called Caterpillars. Uh, we are an accelerator for women uh, founders in Pakistan um, and we help them build um, and scale their businesses. Sure. So Hira, what's the name of the accelerator that you are part of? So yeah, it's called Caterpillars. Um, so the way you say Caterpillars, you just add hers to it. Um, so the reason why we chose this name is because uh, Caterpillars in general uh, represents growth. And I, uh, this one day I had this thought of like, this can turn into like a really good brand name for the accelerator that I um, foresee. So we call it Caterpillars. All right. All right. So Hira, when you started this, were you the only one or you had like other uh, seasoned people with you? So I had support of, of, of that one accelerator where I used to work, Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship. So I mean, when I was there in the US, I sort of like pitched this idea to a lot of people that, hey, I don't see a lot of women entrepreneurs in, um, um, in, in these accelerators, these global accelerators that I'm working for. And I feel Pakistan has a huge potential. We have 51% of population that is women. Um, so I started pitching this idea to a lot of mentors, a lot of accelerators that I was friends with, and they all supported me. So even the first pilot that we ran in Pakistan, it was uh, with the support of a lot of accelerators who I knew, but I didn't have any co-founders. So um, to answer your question, I was the solo founder. I'm st I still am the solo founder. All right. All right. So, I mean, entrepreneurship in general in the world, or I mean, in the culture where we live in, it's sort of a very glorified term. I mean, being an entrepreneur. So, and then on top of it, the new era is like more of a social entrepreneurship as well, right? So what do you think? I mean, why communities around us, we need social entrepreneurs and what social entrepreneurship is in general? 
Okay, so it's a two-fold question. So I'll explain what social entrepreneurship like generally is, and then uh, we can talk about why do we need social entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. social entrepreneur. So social entrepreneurship basically is just like any other entrepreneurship. Uh, to be very honest, the only distinction is um, social entrepreneurship. So social entrepreneurs keep their approach more impact first than profit first. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the social entrepreneurs basically are they are mostly solving community-based problems. In general, every entrepreneur basically takes takes on the risk to make the business successful. But social entrepreneurs basically takes the risk to solve problems that a society is facing, and they make money as well. But just by making money, they also make greater impact as well. So any impact forced organization that gives a lot of weightage to what they are changing in this world uh, can be called a social um, enterprise as well. Right. So why do we need them? <clears throat> I think. i think in a developing country like pakistan to be very honest this question should not be there because i think every single entrepreneur in pakistan should be a social entrepreneur because the most pressing issue pakistan um is facing right now is basically all the society social issues um i mean there is a very small percentage of people here in this country who care about the brands who care about the big money involved with these brands but the huge chunk only cares about like having an access to clean water having shelter access to security and all the basic necessities of uh, uh, a person needs so i think in a country like pakistan every single entrepreneur should first think about how they can solve those pressing issues before they actually um start solving any other issues which has a very which which only a small chunk of population needs um so i think uh, and we can take a very good example of india as well india has a huge uh, uh huge like number of social entrepreneurs uh and other than the what government is doing there uh the private social enterprises run by entrepreneurs like you me or maybe many other founders that we know they are solving the major chunk of the social issues in india and they are taking the lead and if we compare uh, pakistan uh, or the subcontinent then pakistan almost have similar sort of issues uh, than india and we don't have enough social entrepreneurs to solve those issues so i think in a country like pakistan they are i think um that breed is still uh, i think we need we need it better than anything else yeah i i believe we are catching up and getting there yeah yeah absolutely yeah right so i mean you actually i mean talked about that you have primarily worked with women led startups right so do you think that yes. that there is like uh, a barrier to entry for women or i mean there are like things which hinder their progress so what in your experience you have sort of uh, seen something like that uh, based i mean based on your personal experience or other women entrepreneurs that you have brought into your uh, your accelerator yeah hasib i can i can go on and on on this question to be very honest and how i see this problem is i think it has like multiple layers to it so within just like this interview we cannot just pinpoint each and every layer of how complex the problem is uh, but how i see this problem and why i started caterpillars is because i i ran my own company for 2 years before i went to the us for that fellowship and so i had my own share of experiences of running a company in pakistan trying to run a remote company in 2016 when there was no concept of remote company because i mean only covid started the concept of like remote working but when i was trying to do it in 2016 i i was struggling with a lot of things 
but I knew that internationally it is a very well-known concept, so you can do it. Uh, so I had my own fair share of experiences uh, being a female entrepreneur in a country like Pakistan in a city like Karachi. Um, and then when I got exposed to uh, founders from all over the world, when I was working with an accelerator in the US, then that's when I realized that uh, the, the problem of running a company, being a woman, is, is, is not something that is where I can just pinpoint, okay, so just give them investment and it will be solved. Just give them the support and it will be solved. Just allow them to run a business and it will be solved. I think the concept of women running a business, especially in a country like Pakistan, is still very alien to so many people that don't even understand that if that is possible or if that is practical for them to do it. Mm-hmm. So this is why a lot of times when you're trying to like explain your situation to them, so they'll be like, so, so yeah, but what, what do you exactly do? Hmm. And they don't ask this question from men because they they see them as somebody who can run a business. But when you are trying to tell them that you run a business, they they even question their own thought behind it. Um, because I mean, even when you were growing up, you and I think in in your and my family as well, women were always assigned like uh, subjects like home economics or teaching, or maximum even if you count if you count like professional experiences the only women i saw in when i started my career was basically in human resources mm. and all the programmers all the coders all the people who were actually building the stuff in the in the company were all men um so any to start anything to start anything new or anything like which is like a breakthrough moment for people like coding running a tech business leading a bank knowing finances mm-hmm. it just makes people questions their question their own thought a lot and so and all of these barriers are to be very honest invisible so i cannot say that hasib this is where this went wrong and this is why it is happening yeah. it is just the years of conditioning uh, which has been there in people's mind which has been there even in my, in my own mind as well because i question every single decision that i take as well which to to say the least the other gender doesn't think because they've been they've been raised as a risk taker but we have been raised as a as a homemaker Yes, sir. So, um, so the, in your opinion, it's more like a cultural or sort of an upbringing sort of dilemma as well, right? Where I mean, this is are... just one, yeah, just one layer of the problem that I was talking about is just societal. And then on the other side, when you see in a country is in a country where there is no, let's just take Pakistan out of the equation and see the problem as on on a global level, right? Yeah, yeah and the whole and then that's when I basically realized that, okay, so even if, even if I'm not talking about Pakistan, I'm talking about any other developed country where women were not raised like, like I was raised. But mm-hmm. the problem they face when they go in front of an investor is sort of like in the similar lens. They ask them, how will you run this business when you'll have a kid? They don't give them money on the basis of what they're doing, but on the basis of their future plans. So the, 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 the problem so this is why I was saying that there's there are multiple layers to it. Even if you solve the uh, the, the social problem that Pakistan has, the when you put a global lens to it, you see that even if women are running good businesses, only a small percentage of funding goes to women founders. Mm-hmm. And investors, the type of questions investors ask from women founders are very different than the type of questions they ask from men founders. And I am not saying any of these things. These are all like valid researches available on Google for you to find out. All right. So Hira, I mean, you mentioned that in social entrepreneurship, it's primarily social issues that you basically find solutions for. So, I mean, there, there are multiple facets of this problem or there are like multiple social issues. So when you start thinking on picking up an, an idea, you get so many wrong things that you basically mm. get, I mean, puzzled 
what to pick and what not to pick. So how can one be innovative in order to identify a social problem and then apply the principle of entrepreneurship on top of that? I think there is no, to be very honest, Asif, there is no right and wrong formula to it. Uh, a lot of people just try to solve the problem that they have personally faced. I know a lot of founders who who grew up in a certain condition and when they were growing up, they, they realized that they want to change this problem. I know so many founders who went, uh, who, who moved away from Pakistan and that's when basically they realized that they have the potential to solve this problem. So I think a lot of it, uh, it comes naturally to you. Uh, but I think the, the reason why I love social entrepreneurship so much is the problems that social entrepreneur, entrepreneurs solve uh, in one way or other, we all have faced those issues. Like we know that when you don't have a food on your table, how does it feel? We know that when you don't have an access to a clean water, how it feels. So even if you have an access to clean water, but as a human, you know that if you won't have it, how would you feel, right? right. So all those, all those problems that social entrepreneurs try to, uh, are trying to solve, those are like universal problems. In some countries, people, majority of the people have access to it. In some countries, it's an alien concept. In some countries, people are still trying to figure out if it is a problem. So I think if you want to be innovative, I think just try to solve a problem that affects you personally the most and sure. see how you can solve it. Sure. So Hira, I mean, since you are part of an accelerator as well, so there will be multiple startups, I mean, from a social side as well, that you might have helped in accelerating their business or growing them, their business, right? Hmm. So what one or two examples you would say that actually inspired you or you thought that those were like really good ideas executed really well. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, so we, uh, we've we had like a lot of great startups to be very honest, Asip. Um, I think just on the top of my head, there there is one girl uh, in our cohort too that we ran. She is building a platform, sort of like a marketplace uh, where they're selling all the responsible consumption products. So, uh, so like bamboo toothbrushes, like uh, reusable sanitary napkins, reusable sanitary pads and uh, organic candles and things like these. So imagine if, so I, I see her idea as imagine a world where somebody who just cares about this planet, at least one to 2%, instead of going to Amazon, start coming to her platform to find everything where they know that the, the production of this particular product has not affected the planet at all. She's, she's building that platform. She's, mashallah, very famous as well. If you know the uh, startup called Code Green, uh, that's the name of her, of her idea. There is one founder who, who herself is a finance geek, which is, which is a very unique uh, a combo when she talks to people, to be very honest. And she has started uh, a small venture to help other women founders register their businesses, handling their taxation and uh, all those business processes and stuff. Um, there's one founder in our, this cohort, cohort three, um, she, she is a, she's helping autistic children with speech therapy and she has her own clinic in Multan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, there are so many, so many problems that even before I started talking to them, I didn't even know that there is this one girl sitting in, in a small city like Multan and helping so many families out there who don't even know that uh, their kids are autistic. So mm -hmm. she's basically developing programs, speech therapy, and a lot of other things for them. Sure. And there's, and to be honest, there are just so many more. I don't remember a lot of them right now. Uh, but for me, it's just, 
it's so incredible to see that how all these women are are how how these women care about the world other than all the problems that they face as well and there's just so much passion in them to to solve these issues so i mean and just to add further to that how these social entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs should actually see uh, their contribution to the society i mean people basically solve problems right then they they can solve social problems as well but in terms of their contribution to keep them motivated that they are doing something real that is solving a problem how they can i mean stick to the idea and keep going i mean what motivates them i think that's the problem that we are trying to solve to be very honest so with this this accelerator program that we run i think there there has been so many instances uh, throughout this cohort and previous cohorts as well where where all of them like almost gave up they almost said that they have zero motivation to run this they haven't been able to like raise investment there hasn't been really good feedback from the customers but when they find themselves like surrounded by so many other women who are doing exactly the same way fighting their own battles in general and still running the business and still not giving up that's what keeps them going that's what makes them realize that there there is a more there's a whole community out there and they are not alone and if you ask me there was the one one main issue that i faced when i was uh, running my agency in 2016 it was just so lonely it was just mm-hmm. the everywhere you see you will either you'll find uh, men running the companies and either you'll find all those startup founders who are winning the awards but they they are not ready to help you out to run your company it was just very lonely i mean there has been there has been times when i stopped meeting people because i realized that it is just is just my job i have to do and there is no point of talking to people so keeping just just being surrounded by other other women who are doing the same thing who belong from the same country who maybe just live maybe next door to you that's what i think a founder needs more than anything um um as a support okay and that's what we try to do at, at caterpillars a lot right so also i mean since uh, you have been part of an accelerator and you're running that you would have came across companies which have like just one founder then you might hmm. might came across companies hmm. there are multiple founders right then you might have also seen growth in the businesses of these startups right so what are some of the challenges that you have seen um, i mean within those startups like for example if it's a single person company it's like a one one shot i mean the person hmm. they call all the shots but when there are multiple people then they have their own ideas they have their own thought process so what sort of challenges you have seen in when there were multiple founders of a startup be it a small one as well i think uh, some of them uh, i cannot pinpoint any specific challenge to be very honest because that's a very uh, that's very subjective to each company um, i mean that you and i both would agree to the fact that running a company as a solo founder is difficult i i done it so i know and it's not that i haven't been looking for a co-founder for a while i've tried a lot we've we've i've had good partnerships too but nothing has been turned out into something where two people share the same vision and they they try to do the same thing uh, so i think if you're running a solo company then that's just 100 times more lonely than um then the that if you have a partner partner with you or co-founder with you because you're literally your own mentor you're literally your own sounding board all the decisions that you're making basically decision coming from you so there is no other person to to challenge you on those decision but if you're running 
I, and one of the things that I've seen here, especially for the early stage startups, uh, most of them feel that if they are like three friends who believe in their one idea and they just graduated from university, their idea is going to work. And they have this, this, this like confidence in them. And, and I'm not saying that confidence is wrong. It's a very, it's a very important thing to have. But instead of, instead of like analyzing the situation that all three co-founders that I'm bringing in this company, what, what value they're going to add to this company. If all of us are marketeers, it's not going to work. We mm-hmm. have to have somebody who can build a platform. We have to have somebody who's a really good salesman. We have to have somebody who's a really good at finances. So if all three of us are marketing graduates. We literally went to the same class. We literally went to the same university. We come from the same family backgrounds. There is nothing specific that each of us are adding to the company. So I think this is one of the biggest mistakes that early stage startups do. Friends come along and they start the company without realizing what each person is bringing to the table. And that's when they realize, okay, so all three of us market who is going to build the platform. There is no knowledge of coding on the table. That's when you realize, okay, you have to find a co-founder who's a programmer so he can build your platform. You have to find somebody who's good at sales so he can sell our product. So I think this is one of the most highlighted mistakes that we find in early stage uh, entrepreneurs, be it like women entrepreneurs or men entrepreneurs. It's just, it's something that I think uh, be, be a mistake that a lot of founders make. Sure. So, I mean, what are some of the tips? I mean, you have talked about a few, but I mean, if you would like to add further, like what sort of uh, mistakes typically people do and how they can avoid that? besides the ones that, I mean, having diversity in the team in terms of experience or exposure. Besides that, if you would like to maybe identify another one. I think uh, another, another mis- no, I won't call it a mistake. I, I would more call it like a mindset shift of that. I think we, we make entrepreneurship very fancy in our own heads. That is a very, it's a very catchy title. Yeah, it's a very catchy title and uh, I just want to run my own company. I cannot do jobs. I cannot just listen to an order from somebody else. And I feel that I wouldn't be able to run a company if I didn't do jobs for straight for four hours initially my career because that that experience taught me a lot. And also even as, as of right now, I there hasn't been like any month or, or maybe a week that I, when I don't question my, my decision, when I don't question my decision of running a company. Mm -hmm. So I think there has to be like more conversations around um, removing the, the fanciness of, from entrepreneurship and just present it what it is. It is difficult. It is lonely. Um, There will be more failures than successes in your life. If you are choosing to be an entrepreneur, the more real talks you'll start having about entrepreneurship, the easier it will become for people to realize if they want to do it or not. Mm -hmm. And also remove the stigma from doing jobs as well, because if you, if everybody would be running the company, it would be working for you. Right. Right. So, so Hira, I mean, really you have, I mean, quite a bit and still your journey is going on. So where do you see yourself in the coming years and what are your career aspirations or plans for the future in front of you? To be very honest, I, I don't think so far ahead. I'm more of a person who just makes like life goals instead of like 
uh, like any any goal for like next 10 years I used to do it when I was I think maybe a teenager but I feel as if this moment is a waste of my mental energy to think so far ahead when there are a lot of things in the world that are not in my control at all I mean I don't even know if I'll be alive in the next in next 10 years if I will be doing exactly the same thing I'm more of a person I think who who's just trying to learn every single day from the experiences I've had uh, either it's running my own company there is like having giving this interview to you or maybe talking to other founders so I I try to just be good at what I do just be just just let my work speak for itself and decide the future so I will ask the last question again and then we'll go from there okay awesome okay uh, so Hira I mean you have achieved uh, so much so far and your career is progressing you are doing good work so where do you see yourself in the future that is in front of you I mean where do you see yourself going maybe doing something else doing some sort of extension to what you are doing what are your plans for the future so to be very honest Haseeb I don't think so far ahead. Uh, there have been times in my life where I've sketched like uh, my long-term goals about the future and none of them like turned out the way I planned. And it wasn't because I wasn't able to, even if I weren't able to, that's totally fine. Uh, but mostly there are so many external variables involved in your life that uh, a lot of time it just doesn't um, fall into its place. I do make a very short-term goals about my, about my life, about uh, my travel experiences, about mm-hmm. the skills that I want to learn. Uh, but I don't make any like long-term plans of where do I see myself um, in the next 10 years. Um, so I think uh, I, I, I'm the type of person who, who just wants to enjoy what she's doing, be really good at what she's doing and just be the best version of myself in the moment. And while I was, I'd be doing it maybe in the next 10 year, um, I would be at a place where I'd be satisfied or where I just want to maybe quit everything and go live in the mountains. I don't know. Sure. So in the end, any message from you to the upcoming entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, or especially, I mean, women um, who are watching you? Yeah, I think for women, especially uh, the only suggestion I would have is um I think they themselves know that it is tough. They themselves know that a lot of thoughts that come into their mind, they're basically conditioning rather than any logical point of view. So, and if it is tough, reach out to people, uh, but there hasn't been any uh, any distinction between the skill set that you have or the skill set or anybody else have. If you want to do something, go for it. Um, and also, I think my general advice to everybody who is listening to this this podcast and maybe just want to start their own companies i would say even since the very first day do not look for titles awards or prizes or any fancy um i think uh, stuff coming out of this journey look for what you're learning in the process if you're not learning something while building your company there is something that is you're, you're doing wrong because mm. if there is anything that i enjoy a lot about what i do is the amount of learning uh, i have every single day and the amount of opportunities uh, that come my way just by me uh, putting myself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that would be the only advice. And that's the only advice I keep giving to myself as well. So it's the same yeah. thing. Okay. So Hira, thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I look forward to hosting you sometime else uh, with a new and different topic. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Hasib. 
I wish you and BetterTech uh, very good luck for this podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Bye. Lafiz. Thanks for listening to BetterTech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.